the Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Hey, we're in a series called The Blessed Life. I would like you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter number 9. And we are in the final message of this series, and the title of this message is The Principles of Multiplication. The Principles of Multiplication. I want to read you a passage in uh, Luke that is going to give you um, a context to what this is. But first, I want to read a testimony by uh, a young lady that goes to our church named Christy. She wrote this in last week. Uh, Hi, my Embassy City Church family. I have a quick testimony. Since this series, I made a commitment to give a just because gift of an additional 5% of my earnings every paycheck. In addition to the 10% that already belonged to God, I've had two paychecks that I've been able to do this. And I submitted my resume to a better job on last Monday. Two days later, on a Wednesday morning, I got a call from the employer and they offered me a position without an interview or anything. I received a pay increase of over, get this, $15,000 a year. And my new job starts May 1st, which is an anointed day because that's the day that I got married to Juliet. So uh, (laughs) then she writes, yay. (laughs) I am so happy to be a part of an amazing church with an amazing senior pastor and pastoral staff. Thanks, Tim, for obeying God and teaching on a level of great understanding. I love you all. Her name is Christy. Can we celebrate with Christy? Listen, I think it's absolutely amazing that that she would give 15 percent and the way God responded was fifteen thousand dollars. Right. He's I think I just think he's trying to prove a point, And when he does it, he just kind of makes it laughable uh, so that we understand. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to uh, go to Luke nine, verse number 10. Here's what it says. When the apostles returned. They told Jesus everything they had done. Now, what had the apostles done? If you go and read from verse one, Jesus took the apostles two by two, gave them power to go out and cast out demons and heal all uh, uh, people who were sick and disease. And now they're coming back with this report. Then he slipped away quietly with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him. Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. 
the principles of multiplication. Now, uh, you know it is my uh, heart's intent that every weekend uh, when we gather together that uh, what you leave with the most is God's word, that you walk away with scripture. And every single weekend, what I love to do is immerse people in the Bible. That's why I love to read a lot of scripture so you can have a context to it. Then I love to repeat to you what I just read, because if you really start reading the Bible for yourself, at some point, it should stop being about the characters you're reading about and it starts to become about you. It it ceases to be what you're reading about with Moses or Daniel or Jesus or Peter you start seeing yourself in the narrative as well. That's how an ancient book that's been around for so many years can still have relevance in our lives today. Because this book is actually alive. The Bible is the only document on the planet that is actually still breathing. And what it breathes out on us literally has the power to transform our lives from the inside out. Jesus had given his authority and his power to the 12 disciples. And they go out two by two, casting out demons, healing everybody that's sick. They come back with this incredible report. And here's the report. It worked. It's amazing to me how many people actually do what the Bible says or do what the master says. And they're shocked when it actually works. He gave them authority and power. They went out and they got ready to cast out a demon and the demon went out. They were like, what? (laughs) Somebody was sick. They laid hands on the sick and the sick got well. They were like, what? This is the same thing that was happening when he did it. Why? Because they were actually empowered by the same spirit that he was empowered by. It's been funny over the last two months that we keep getting testimony after testimony of people that have never tithed before. That they they, they started tithing and they come back. Oh, my goodness, it worked. I'm like, yeah, I was trying to tell you that it actually works. I I decided to give extravagantly and, and, and God blessed me in a supernatural way. Well, yeah, that's what he does. I love Jesus response, though. Jesus response is not hype. Jesus' response is actually, let's hide. Let's slip away. Let's go somewhere private. They slipped away to a remote place. But here's what happens. When you start blessing people, you can try to hide. They will come find you. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Let's find out where that dude is. Because what he's been doing is amazing. And 5,000 men, not including women and children, Scripture says, found Jesus. And I love Jesus. He's just a nice guy. He greets them. Hey, mega church. Y'all found me in this remote place. It's so awesome, man. Let me just teach you about the kingdom. And he starts teaching. But he doesn't do it like we do it in the United States in our nice, pristine services that have to be timed and go to the clock and in at a certain time. He just starts teaching like every series all at one time. Like he doesn't stop. 
It's been hours that he's been teaching on the kingdom. And 5,000 people, not including women and children, they, all the people agree it might have been between 12,000 to 18,000 people total that were here listening to him have been listening to Jesus for hours. None of them have had anything to say. They've just been receiving. And all of his disciples, all of a sudden his disciples show up and they go, wow, look at the time. The ma- no, this sermon is great. I just didn't know. It sounds like a series. I just didn't know he was going to preach the whole thing. Because it sounds like a 15-week series, but it just sounds like he's just going to do it all now. Like, it's going to be a 15-hour message. And, you know, it's getting late. And I, I love, the, the text implies that they were really passive-aggressive. You know, they're probably hungry. That's how passive-aggressive people do. They never own it for themselves. They're like, you know what? Isn't it hot to you? No, I'm fine. Shouldn't we open the window? Well, girl, just open it. If you, it's you. You the one hot. Say it. I'm hot. Own something for once in your life. Can't stand passive aggressive people. Shouldn't we go to the movies? Do you want to go or not? Well, you like action. You like action movies too. Stop pinning this on me. He, they say maybe, maybe we should send them back into town so they can get something to eat. It's been a long, your message is great, sermon's awesome, but it's just been, it's, it's been a long time. And they're probably hungry. It's getting late. He goes, you feed them. They were like, <laughs> okay. Um, we, we didn't know you were going to ask that, but we did. I just don't want you to think we weren't proactive. We already checked, like, what we had available. All we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. Um, and I just don't think that's going to be enough. I mean, we could break the bread into very tiny pieces, but these two fish are going to go quick. I mean, this is basically like a Jewish Lunchable. Like, it won't last. We could probably feed 10 kids if we really shred it up, but we're not going to be able to feed 5,000 people, not including women and children. And Jesus' response is brilliant, Hey, sit them all down in groups of 50. What? Now, now, I don't know about you. um, Has anybody in here ever dealt with people? Anybody beside me, you ever dealt with people? How how many people got kids? How many people got kids? How many people have ever been around? Now, let me just ask this question. How many people in here, by show of hands, have ever told a child to sit down? Now, if, if you've ever told a child to sit down, you know that there's at least uh, seven to nine octaves that one can reach in communicating the word, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, hey, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit like, it hits Mariah Carey level type notes. Sit down. It's 5,000 people. Can you imagine trying to get 5,000 people to sit down in groups of 50? Can you imagine the disciples walking around? Hey, <laughs> hey, can y'all, can y'all like break up into groups of 50? And sit down. All of y'all. 
All 18,000, groups of 50, not 47, groups of 50. Please sit down, huddle up, and, and why are we sitting down? Because he told us to tell you to sit down. I don't know what he's about to do. I don't know if it's about to, you're just about to have small groups or what. You're not about to eat. I know that. I, I'm going to eat, okay? I got the bag. You're probably not going to eat, though. Um, and so maybe we're going to pray away hungry. I don't know what's about to happen. Just sit down in groups of 50. They sit down in groups of 50. I, I can't, that may have taken two and a half hours. If 12 men have to go through 12,000 people and go, please sit down. Please sit down. Please sit down. No, that's 46. I need you to get four more. 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. They go back to the master. They're sitting down. Now what? He's like, right, well, give, me the, give me the fish. The two fish. Yeah. Give them to me. I got two hands. Give me the fish. Give me the fish. Give me the bread. Gets the bread. He, he lifts it up to heaven. He, he blesses it, then he breaks it, then he gives it to him. He said, hey, go give them this fish. He was like, you, okay, who? Okay, because I'm going to take a fish. Thomas is going to take a fish. That's two fish. Who gets it? Well, go give out what I gave you and then come back and get some more. Oh, I don't understand your ways. <laughs> hey, Chris, don't act, don't get mad that I picked Chris. And don't try to take his lunch. The master wants him to eat. I guarantee you, all of y'all not going to eat. I'm just going to give it to you. Don't get mad. Come back. Jesus is standing there with another fish and some more bread. Susan, it's your lucky day. I don't know how that happened. but Come back. Jesus is standing there with another fish and some more bread. Have the other disciples been back? Am I the only one delivering this food? No, they're all going out too. Well, it's 12 of us. And I already gave away two. And if they only gave, that's 14 pieces. How? Did anybody else have a long John Silver bag? Is there a red lobster around here that I didn't know about? Are we serving the same kind of bread anymore? They took it. Derek, I guess you eat too. <laughs> Scripture says these three words literally made me cry when I was studying for this message. He kept giving. Those three words jacked me up. He kept giving them bread and fish to feed all of these people. Every time they came back, he had some more bread and some more fish to give out to them. 
Now, here's the thing that's amazing to me, and here's the, 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 the statement I want you to write down. The miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. The real miracle is that as they gave it away, God had something else to give them. Which brings me to the two points of this message. Here are the first, second point of this message. They are so simple, but they're so revelatory. Point number one is this. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. How is it blessed? Because he lifted it up to God and blessed it. Then he gave it to them and they kept giving it away because it had already been blessed. How does that translate into our lives? Everything that you have is blessed when you give God what is his. When I give God the tithe, everything else that I have is blessed. He blesses. He takes everything that I have. He blesses it and gives it back to me. I give back to him what is his, which is the tithe. Everything else becomes absolutely blessed, and it keeps on multiplying. That's the first principle. Here's the second one. Oh, it's so good. It's so simple. It has to be given away before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply, and it has to be given away. It's not meant for you to keep it. It's meant for you to give away. Now, I'm not talking about you shouldn't have a savings account and you shouldn't have uh, some money uh, saved up for emergencies and stuff like that. But I'm talking about the overall principle of multiplication is that you don't hold it. Let me use another word. Hoard it thinking that there is no more coming. The principle of multiplication is there's more where that came from. Here's what I love about the verse. He kept giving them bread and fish. The moment they let it go, when they came back, he was like, here's another one for you. If they would have been like, you know what, I'm going to try to stretch this out. I just think I just want to help Jesus out. I don't know when this is going to stop, so I'm going to just help him. I'm going to split this fish in half. Some of y'all going to leave with a head and some of y'all going to leave with a tail. No. He kept giving it to them because the principle of multiplication is when I give it away, I get more. Why? Because my source is an unlimited resource. My source has enough to give me more. So I'm not afraid to release because I know that there is more where that comes from. Is that good? So I want to give you some uh, principles that have happened in my own life. Uh, uh, and, 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 and I think that it will bless you in yours as well. I want to give you three ways God has spoken to me about money, okay? Based on this principle, the three ways that God has spoken to me about money. Point number one is this. Get out of debt. <laughs> Get out of debt. You know why you want to get out of debt? Because you have more to give. And you don't have hovering over you this pressure of these bills coming to attack you. So get out of debt. God bless uh, my wife and I last year uh, to move into our dream house. 
uh, uh, and it's a really big house. But how many of you all know when you move into a big house, you get big bills. Right. You live in a one bedroom efficiency. You get that water note. You're like, ha, water. Not scared of you. Write this check. You move into a really big house. The water notes come. You're like, stop drinking. Everyone stop. Don't flush the toilet. We not watering the grass. We're going to pray for rain. OK, we moved into our new house. I didn't. My wife can tell you, I didn't turn on that sprinklers for a year. Matter of fact, I still haven't turned them on, have I? I have not cut it on. I'm like, God, you're going to have to water this. As the dew sets in the morning. Gently rest upon my grass. Huh? Okay, this is what I did, okay. So, so we want to get out of debt. So we want to reduce uh, expenses everywhere. Where, well, uh, we got a mailer a, a couple of months back, and uh, they, they sent a mailer uh, saying that, that, that we were available for a new car. My wife drives a Honda Pilot, and so they were giving us uh, this, this uh, information about the new Honda Pilot that was out that has all the bells and whistles and, and, and a new design and, and all new technology on the inside. And, and so Juliet was like, hey, should I go down there and check it out? I was like, you know what, if you want to. So she goes down there, she checks it out. And they're like, you know, test drive it and, and see if you like it. And, and uh, 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 you know, they were trying to do the whole salesman pitch. And they, they picked the wrong girl. They can't do that to Juliet. My wife's like from Sparta. Like she is like from the movie 300 she if she wasn't married to me she'd be married to Leonidas I mean she is gangster okay so they were she was like yeah I mean I, I, I like the car that I have and they were like no, but this is the new and improved with the bells and whistles they were like you know what Dr take it home drive it see how you like it now if this has ever happened to you or or, or if, if this happens to you this is how they get you because psychologically you 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 I drove off with it there's a sense of ownership, and I played with the buttons, and it's good. So she brought it home, and I said, how do you like it? She said, yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, yeah, it's good. I like it. I said, well, do you want it? She was like, well, I mean, do you want to pay the note? <laughs> and I said, well, now that you think about it, the, the, I've been doing accelerated payments on, on, on the car you have now, and uh, if, uh, uh, if we get this car, we're going to be resetting. And so we'll have to, you know, uh, we're going to reset on a new on a new loan. Um, I said, but I, I could have this car paid off probably by the end of the year. Then we won't have a car note at all. She was like, well, then that's it. She jumped in the car, drove it back. OK, they were like, where do we sign the paper? She was like, oh, no, where's my car? She was like, and you did promise to detail it before I left. So make sure. That my car is clean. She drove. She got in that car that's only four years old and drove off because we don't want to be in debt. And we're not going to let the new latest greatest make me not turn on my water. Okay. So she's keeping her Honda Pilot. Well, there's some changes for me coming, too. Uh, I drive a Nissan Maxima, and I really like it. It's a V6. It has 300 horses in it. And since I'm from Southern California, our right legs are meant to do 80 miles an hour. I really love that car. But, but we moved to Denton. So it's 31 miles one way. Round trip. That's 62 miles every time I come see y'all. 
I like you a lot. You are worth the drive and you're worth the gas. But a V6 300 ponies, that's, that's a lot of gas. Okay? And so I was like, I need something more fuel efficient. So I'm downsizing to an Altima. The payment is less. I'm going to attack it just like I attacked her car, and I'm going to get it paid off. I said this in the first service, and somebody said, hey, you know I work at a car dealership, so if you want one, I got one in the parking lot right now you can have. I was like, wait, that's too fast. Stop. Listen, I got to get my mind around getting rid of this Maxima. I appreciate you holding me accountable, but, sir, not today, okay? Not today. I'm going to do it. Not today. Because I have to do it now because I told y'all. So y'all will be looking at me like a fool if it comes January. You're like, you really still in that car, though? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to downsize, okay? Uh, but, but the practical side is I want to get out of debt. Uh, uh, here's why. I get to give more money when I'm out of debt. My ultimate goal is to just have property taxes. I know a lot of people say, well, keep a mortgage because that, there's tax breaks. No. I want to, at some point, you got me 30 years, I'm going to pay that thing off. I'm going to walk around my grass. My land. I'm going to put a flag in it. Okay, I'm going to get my Ross Tartan from Scotland. I'm going to go hard. But here's the thing. I want to be out of debt because it gives me an opportunity to give more without me having to splice it up between bills. I want all the money I get to start being all the money I can keep. And ask the Lord, what would you like me to give without me going, but this bill is breathing down my neck. Anybody else want to be debt free for that reason alone? <laughs> Listen, you can do it. It's called discipline. Don't come up here for an altar call for it. <laughs> I'm in this building right now. This is not an altar call message. God, I'm, I'm praying for supernatural debt cancellation. You want your supernatural debt cancellation? Pay your bills. <laughs> Pay them off. Don't go to the movies. Don't have Netflix and Hulu. Pick one. Pick one. Don't have Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora. Pick one. Scale down. You don't need an iPhone X. Your budget won't give you an iPhone B. If you need to have a Boost Mobile anointing at this season of your life, boost it up. If you need Metro PCS in your life, Metro it up, okay? But get on a budget and discipline yourself and stop asking God to bail you out on stuff you put yourself into. Grow up in Jesus' name. That's what makes it all feel better is when... In Jesus' name. I, re I receive it now. I receive it. <laughs> Grow up. You're mean. Grow up in Jesus' name. You're so spiritual. <laughs> That's number one. Here's number two. Don't manipulate. Don't manipulate. Robert Morris preached this message in 2011. I heard it. I'm watching it on my uh, laptop, and he gets to this point about don't manipulate, and he said, you know, when he used to go out and preach that he used to have an honorarium, said honorarium. Uh, and uh, God uh, told him not to have an honorarium at all when he goes to preach that whatever they give uh, you, just be fine with it. 
And uh, when I was growing up in ministry, I had some mentors that told me, you know, you need to have a set on aerarium. You need to have an amount when you go to preach because if they don't, if you don't have an amount, uh, then, then, then they won't honor you. And so you have to have an amount. And I started off in my early 20s. And so they were like, well, you're a young preacher. And so, you know, your honorarium should be uh, uh, like $1,500. And, 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 and as you start growing in ministry and the more time you have, then maybe go up to $2,000. And then maybe go up to $3,000. And, and here's what was so weird. I I was never comfortable with it. I was submitted to their wisdom because that's who I was under, but, but I was never comfortable with it because if somebody would call and ask me to come preach, and let's just say my honorarium was $2,000, and, and, and they said, well, you know what? We've only budgeted for $1,200. i am like, I'm coming. Because, I mean, what was I going to say? Well, unless you can come up with another $800, <laughs> I just don't feel the Lord. <laughs> like, I'm not a hireling. Uh, but, but so I had it, and sometimes people would bless me with more. Sometimes people would give me um, exactly what the honorarium was. But if it was less, I would always go anyway because God had already told me that, that I needed to take the assignment. And so it was just always a haggle sometimes, and, and it was just weird. And so I'm listening to this message, uh, and Robert says, uh, don't manipulate uh, because, uh, and if you ask for an honorarium, it's manipulation. I was like, whoa, no, it's not. I paused. The, has anybody ever listened to a message and had to pause the, the message? Hold on. Just hold on, man. What are you saying? I said, it's not manipulation. The Holy Spirit said, it's manipulation for you. Are you going to trust me? Or are you going to trust your standard honorarium? So I shared it with Juliet. I was like, hey, babe, I think the Lord is telling me that we should not be on an honorarium. And here was her only concern. Her concern was, if you go out there and you don't have a set honorarium, I think people are going to take advantage of you. And they're not going to honor the gift. And that means you'll have to accept more preaching engagements to make up for the difference. And there was something bold that rose up in me at that moment. And I just said, you know what, baby? I believe that before God would allow me uh, to be an absentee husband and father in the home, that he would just bring money to the house. Like, like, like I, just, I just have to believe God on this. She was like, okay. So we were in agreement and uh, I had to go preach at uh, two places shortly thereafter. And the first place that I went to go preach, first of all, they, they didn't know what to do. Like, what is your honorarium? We want to make sure we honor you. I was like, I don't have an honorarium. Whatever you want to pay me. They were like, yeah, 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 but what is it? <laughs> they didn't want to get it wrong or whatever. I was like, yeah, I just don't have one. And, and, and the first place that I went to go preach, they gave me uh, $700. And the enemy started talking. Mm-hmm. You don't have no more set on a ram, and this is what you are worth, $700. You know what I said? Thank you, Lord, because that church is not my source. You're my source. And so if they gave $700, I say thank you very much, and I'm going on about my business. The second place I went to go preach, I preached all their weekend services, and afterwards the guy said to me, hey, listen, your message that you preached, you're an evangelist, and I know you're traveling full-time, but that message, it was like you were a member of our family. Like, like you laid right into the same sermon series that you were in, and you preached it like you were a part of our family. That, that just made us feel good. Our, our finance manager is going to contact you in the next few days and, and give you uh, a, an, uh, a love gift, an honorarium. And I was like, okay. Now, I had heard that in the past before, like the checks in the mail. And that usually meant like, yay, thank you so much for that gift. You'll get some donuts in the morning. So I go home, and three days later, I'm laying in the bed next to Juliet. It's about 11.30 at night, and uh, an email comes in from the finance manager of this church. They said, hey, Tim, 
Thank you so much. You were such a blessing. Uh, and we are transferring into your account $20,000. We just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your gift with us. And it's been a blessing. And I felt like the Holy Spirit leaned in and said, don't ever ask me about money again. And listen to me, y'all. From that day to this day, I have never talked to the Holy Spirit about money again. When we planted this church, we said we are not going to manipulate by passing the plate. Now, listen to me carefully. I am not knocking people that pass the plate. Here is what I am saying. If I have to get up every weekend and use my charisma and my communication gift to manipulate your emotions to stir you up to give, that's not of God. If God doesn't open up your heart to become a giver, I cannot rely on my gifting to do so every weekend. That's manipulation. Anytime you use your gift to get something you want, it's manipulation. So I said, we're not going to pass the plate here. We're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into people. And you know what happened? God started speaking to y'all. And in those months that, that we've seen the, the budget dip because we had to go to Saturday services and, 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 and uh, we lost like 200 people during that season, uh, people, they would come and say, hey, the budget is low and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, uh, I'm not going to pray for money because he already told me don't ever ask him to don't ask me about this again. I said, I'm just going to pray for the people. I'm going to pray that God gives promotions. And if they're unemployed, that God gives jobs. And that God gives bonuses and that God gives favor because I know if you bless the people, there'll be a blessing to your house. And you know what has happened? That exact thing. We just heard a testimony about it this morning. So don't manipulate. Well, you might say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a preacher and, and I've never been in that situation. That's fine. Well, don't manipulate on your job. You don't have to manipulate. Oh, I'm, I feel something here. You don't have to save emails. And try to parlay that into a promotion. And if they don't, if they do this and if they don't do that, then I'm going to bring this information forward. And you don't have to manipulate. God knows how to bless you better than you can bless yourself. And you don't have to lie on your taxes and you don't have to try to cheat the system. All you have to do is be obedient to what God is telling you to do. And he will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive don't manipulate point number three give just give my whole life I've been raised in a giving house mom and dad would give money when they could they give the clothes off their back mom used to put me and my younger brother miles on the assembly line in our kitchen to make double-decker peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the homeless people on skid row my mother worked at the LAPD for 30 years uh, downtown in Parker Center. And uh, she would get off the bus about three or four blocks from where her, her office was. That was just several blocks away from where Skid Row was. So there are thousands of homeless people on the street. She would get off the bus and between her bus stop and her office, all she would do is drop double peanut butter Triple peanut butter, but it was two of them, so it's six pieces of bread. I mean, my mama was generous. Six pieces of bread, two sandwiches, triple decker peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, dropping them off by these homeless people that they were sleeping so that when they got up, they had something to eat. Now, listen, 
If you know anything about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it will stick to your ribs. Now, we didn't give them milk to go with it to wash it down, so you know they were like. (laughs) We'll work for milk. I mean, it was just. But they had provision. We're just givers. When I move out here. They raised, they, they bivocationally pastored a church for 15 years. They raised $400 in their church, which was a lot at that time. $400 for, for, to, for, for me to uh, uh, come here and bought me a one-way Greyhound bus ticket. And that's how I got to Dallas, Texas. When I got here, I didn't have a job or a car. When I finally got a job, I had a job, but I didn't have a car. My best friend, Corey, was picking me up, taking me to church. He had a Grand Prix. <laughs> one previous owner had driven it, like, you know, to... Kroger once a week. It only, I mean, it had low miles. She would pick me up. And one day we were at Black IP on Beltline right here. It's not there anymore, but it was right across the street from where the Kroger used to be. And we're at that Black IP, and here I am with like a, a barely a job but no car. Corey has a, a car working at a, a decent job, but, but our hearts were generous. There was an, a waitress that just started working there. And, uh, he looked at me and squinted his eyes. I looked at him and squinted, his, and squinted my eyes. I said, how much are you going to tip her? He said, how much are you going to tip her? I said, how much are you going to tip her? He said, I'm going to tip her $20. For us, that, that, back then, that was unbelievable. He said, I'm going to tip her $20. I was like, I'm going to tip her $20. So we gave her a $40 tip. She took it, went to the back. We were still busy talking. She came back, tears in her eyes. It was her first day or second day on the job. And she was like, I've never had a tip this large in my life. And literally something in our heart was like, we need to do that again. Our hearts were open to give. That's what I'm saying. You can do it on any level that you're on. You can be an extravagant giver. Here's the best part of the story about my parents sending me on a Greyhound bus one way to move to Texas. 15 years later, I was able to return the favor. In, the, in December of 2011, I had been praying to the Lord. My mom and dad had finally got peace about moving to Texas. We wanted them closer. They wanted to be around the grand, grandkids. I wanted them here. And so I began to pray in December of 11. I said, Lord, I believe you're going to open a door for my parents to move here in 2012. And almost immediately, the Holy Spirit responded and said, you're right. I am going to open a door in 2012. They're going to move here. And I was like, yes. So I'm talking about. He said, you're the open door. And I was like, huh? I am? He said, yes, you're the open door. And I was like, I'm the open door. Okay. I said, so, okay, I, you know what? If, if, okay, I can save some money and, and I can get them down here. And uh, 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 maybe I can put a deposit down on, on, on an apartment for them. He said, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to do all of that. But, but when they move out here, you're going to pay their rent or their mortgage for the rest of their life. And I was like, oh. I said, oh. Well, oh. Um, man, okay, all right, okay. So here's what I said to the Lord. Well, I, I guess I'm getting a raise. Because I don't, that's, how? You know what's in, Lord, you know my thoughts are far off. 
and you know my bank account even further. So you know what's in here. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. So all I, here's the thing. When it comes to doing this, you just have to be obedient to what he told you to do. If you try to spend your time figuring it out, you'll never move. You'll be paralyzed. So I saved up all the money and, and uh, uh, got them out here. I, I paid, my dad said, son, you don't have to worry about trying to get us out there. We will drive from California to Texas. I was like, man, superhero, stop. No, you're not. <laughs> I put his car on a, uh, 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 a truck. They drove it across country. Remember, they put me on a one-way Greyhound bus in uh, 2000, I'm sorry, in 1997, I was able to put them on first-class one-way tickets on American coming here. Okay. When they got here, I had three months deposit on their apartment. And so all this got done at the beginning of May, okay? Everything was set, and I paid all the money at the beginning of May. At the end of May, I get a call from Gateway. I was traveling full-time at the time, and Gateway calls me and says, hey, we want to offer you a job here. And, uh, but here's the caveat. We don't want you to stop traveling because we feel like there's an apostolic anointing on your life and you're a blessing the churches, so we still want you to travel. And here's what the Holy Spirit told me. Gateway is how I'm going to provide for you and your family, and when you travel, that's how you're going to pay for your parents. And I was like, okay. They moved here the 15th day of June of 2012. I started July 1st of 2012 at Gateway. And my parents have never, they started in an apartment. Now they live in a house. They have never paid their rent or their mortgage since they moved here in 2010, 2012. And listen, it has never, there hasn't been one month that's ever been a burden for me to pay it. Because when God gives you a word, he gives the provision. Well, Lord, it seems like it's going to run out. And, and what if I don't have engagements? Here's what the Lord is saying. I'm still breaking this bread and handing out this fish. I didn't stop from then until now. If you own a business, I have, you, I have the numbers for you to make budget. If, you have, uh, if you're single with five kids, I have the numbers for you to make budget. There is more where that comes from when you live the blessed life the principle of multiplication so stop trying to figure it out as we used to say when we were younger don't talk about it be about it let me add a caveat don't think about it be about it have faith and step out and see what he's going to do I didn't know at the time gateway was coming well, maybe if I do this and then maybe I can. That would be me in my own strength trying to figure it out. All you have to do is be obedient to the word he gives you. And then he will supply the rest. This is the principle of multiplication and this is how you can live a blessed life. Has this series been a blessing to anybody beside me? Listen, next week is baptisms and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but I'm also going to be uh, communicating a special message that I believe is going to bless this house and bless our community as well. So uh, I want you to be prepared for that. But as we come to the conclusion of this series, here's what I want you to know. I, I, I'm not teaching this because I want to get something from you. I, I, I'm teaching this because I want you to give something to the Lord. It's not about what it's going to do for us. It's, what it's, it's about what it's going to do for you. A $15,000 raise? 
that blesses a household. That blesses a destiny that sets up a legacy in a home. Getting out of debt, that just takes pressure off of you. Do you know you're a different person when you're not in debt? When people say, how you doing? You say, fine. <laughs> when you're under a lot of financial strain, hey, you having a good day? Yes. I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> Haven't slept in two days. I'm scared. I want you to live the blessed life. It's a really practical life, but it's a really disciplined life. And if you're going to see breakthrough financially, some of it's going to be God, and no one can take credit for that. He's going to get all the glory. But then some of it is going to be you being disciplined enough to have restraint and be obedient to what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.